Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. We're going to basically cover the whole book today. You know how I work with that, you know. Uh, but we're going to cover a lot of different uh, passages in Ephesians this morning. So put your finger uh, in the letter of Ephesians. Ephesians is in the back part of your book. There's no shame in using your table of contents. It's small. Uh, it is behind Galatians and in front of Philippians, which are both small books too. So use your table of contents if you don't know exactly where it's at. It's okay. You have permission to look at that. Um, or everyone with the phones is like, <laughs> I just clicked on it. Uh, so there's that. All right. Um, we are in the middle of a series called Rehab, and we are kind of focusing in on this idea of we all have trauma, we all have stuff, we all have issues, we all have things in our past that we have to deal with. It's caused a trauma in our lives, and to get past it, we have to go to rehab. And... Uh, if you've ever had a trauma in your life, you understand the idea of rehab. If you've ever had to go to those wonderful people called physical therapists, you understand what that means, what that looks like, and how that hurts, right? You have to do these kind of things if you want to have sustained health after uh, a trauma in your life. And spiritually speaking, I think there's a lot of us that go to the hospital in our spiritual idea. We, cut, we run to Jesus, save me, Jesus, forgive me my sins. Okay, I'm good. I go to the ER, got my heart fixed, but then I don't ever participate in the rehab part of building a different foundation in which our life can be based on. And so um, this is where we're really trying to center on this series is how do I move past the ER type of faith to a, a faith that's, that's got a lot more strength to it? Does this make sense? Okay. That's where we, I want to go. It's where... Um, where I think Ephesians is really kind of taking us, where Paul in this letter to the church in Ephesus is really seeing this baby church, this church that he planted and saying, okay, guys, it's time to go to the next level. You've got all kinds of stuff happening. You've got weird things going on in your church. There's cultural stuff going on. But this is how you take your faith to the next level. This is how you become the people in which God has called you to be. And so as we explore this, it really is rooted into three different uh, aspects that Paul lays out in Ephesians uh, 3. But we, we kind of deduce from this, this sentence, spiritual rehab. Now, Paul wouldn't know what rehab was if we talked about it, but go with me a little bit, okay? Spiritual rehab means working to a place of strength, being rooted in love, and developing deep relationships. Last week, we talked about finding a place of strength by knowing what the Holy Spirit does in our lives, how the Holy Spirit is our helper, how the Holy Spirit is our comforter, how the Holy Spirit is our guide, and what that means for us. This week, we're being talk, talking about being rooted in love. And next week, we'll talk about the, the developing deep relationships. But this week is all about how we root ourselves in love, what that means, what that looks like. This is a hard thing to do, honestly, because there's all kinds of other things that we can be rooted in. And some of us, we got, if we're honest, the place in which we were planted has some pretty junky tr soil, right? We got, this is really, we don't have any miracle grow. 
Uh, you know, there has been some rough stuff that we've been planted in. And so as we spread our roots out, um, maybe this isn't the most healthy thing that we're actually getting our nutrients from. And what does that look like? So we're going to belabor two metaphors today. We're going to just beat the tar out of the metaphor of uh, rehab. And we're going to sit on this rooted idea for a long time too. Okay. So just, if you don't like metaphors, you're not going to have a good day, but there's okay. Um, we're just really going to go into those two because there's a lot we can unpack from, uh, from what Paul's t- teaching us here that I think will help us understand what it means to be rooted in love. Spiritual rehab means working to a place of strength, being rooted in love, and developing deep relationships. One of the biggest reasons people don't see sustained health after a trauma is they are scared of the pain of rehab. Right? I don't want to go to rehab. No, no, no. Stop. Now it's going to be in your heads all again today. I had people who listened to our messages online text me and say, thanks. Now I've got Amy Winehouse in my head. You're welcome. Uh, so, right, I don't want to go to rehab. Why? Because then I have to deal with the pain. Whether that is because of substance abuse rehab, whether that is a physical therapist rehab, whether that whatever kind of rehab that is, I don't want to deal with the pain. I cannot have sustained health unless I am willing to face that pain and push through it. If you go to a physical therapist and you go, ow, that hurts, and they're going to say this, Now, is that a dull pain or is that a sharp pain? Does that burn? Because the type of pain that comes back is whether I should stop or, nope, you got to go farther. So you got to learn those buzzwords. If you ever have to go to physical therapy, you got to learn. No, that's a sharp pain. Okay, we got to stop. Okay, yes. No, see, that's the problem. Our aversion to pain keeps us from pressing through and gaining sustained health. There's a point that we can only run from the issues of our past, the traumas of our past, so long before we have to turn and face it and go, you know what, I got to step into this. And this is nasty, and this is messy, and this hurts, and this I don't want to deal with these things. Ah! But it's just like the exercises with the dumb surgical tubing or whatever you got to do at, at down ATI or whatever, you, whatever your physical therapist has got you doing. You've got to push through, persevere through that pain to have the sustained health. Now, when we come to Jesus and we go, all right, Jesus, take away this pain, take away my past, take all this stuff away. You're going to forgive me. And I've got my slate wiped clean. All those things are absolutely true, except our past is forgiven, except our past is still present, (laughs) right? Those things still happen. If we've screwed up our marriage, God's forgiven us for the sins that we had that probably that caused the, the marriage to be screwed up. But guess what? The reality is your marriage is still screwed up. And so you've got to push through those pain points to fix that issue. Now that goes for all kinds of different stuff. Does this make sense? And sometimes we want to get out of jail free car. Jesus, save me from this, blah, 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 whatever your insert, your trauma is, save me from that. And we expect it to all be fixed. Boom. Like a magic card. Like, Oh, genie, poof. Right. Yeah. And it's done. While he forgives us like a magic poof, it's amazing that God does that and his blood washes away the sin, the reality of what has occurred still is there. And we have to step into those pain points and push through them. And the only way in which we can survive the pain and the issues of that is by being firmly rooted in Christ Jesus. We're tracking so far. 
Because no, this is not a fun message. You're like, oh, yeah, yay, pain. Let's deal with it. No, nobody wants to deal with pain. Everybody wants to run away from it. I like ibuprofen. It's a nice thing, right? I don't want, I don't want to do that stuff. Our aversion to pain keeps us from healing. See, we have to persist in going to rehab. We have to choose to continue to go to work through the pain, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it hurts, because working through that pain brings us the healing that we and the health that we are actually craving. We have to persist. Our persistence in choosing love grows love. So this idea of being rooted in the love of Christ, we have to persist in choosing to love. We have to persist continuously choosing love. Some of us are in circumstances where choosing to love is difficult. We've got this child that we want to wring their neck. We have this boss that we, we, we daydream not great things about. Like we have issues that we've got to persist through. The, the weight of whatever that is, the relationships that cause all kinds of drama, we have to persist in choosing to love. Because if we're going to be rooted in Christ Jesus and how, what that looks like in the love of Christ Jesus, we have to persist and to continue to choose that. Because we can choose to be rooted, and it's a lot easier, I think, for us to be rooted in other stuff. I got a picture of a tree, I believe, here I would like to be up now. Yes. See this root system? Isn't, this is cool. Okay, this is cool. Um, so I don't know where, I have no idea where this is at, but if you can't see it, this is a, um, um, what's that called? Uh, like a houndstooth pattern. Ooh. Uh, that's tooth pattern of bricks and the, the, the roots have grown in the grout lines. Okay. And this is a definition of persistence to me, right? The idea of, I came up against something hard. Okay. We're going to do this. I'm going to find the nutrients over here. Oh, came against something hard. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to find the nutrients. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. This tree has no business being in, let's just call it New York city or Chicago. It has an urban environment. It's not the healthiest environment for this tree to be in, but it is persisting and finding a way. For you and for me this morning, the, some of the, our environment, some of the stuff that we're dealing with is not actually the most healthy environment for us to flower, to grow, to bear fruit, but we will persist in choosing love. Does this make sense? Everybody cool with me today? Okay, good, 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 good. Ephesians 3 verse 17 says this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love. That Christ will dwell in your hearts, and through that you will be rooted in love. That you will dive deep in the love of Christ. And as we do that, roots do a few things. We're going to study roots here. A little biology 101 this morning, or whatever, environmental science. I don't know what this would be. But roots, I did a little research today on, or not today, but this week on roots. Very interesting stuff, and it really applies to what we're talking about. Is that roots provide the foundation for the plant. You guys knew this, right? You guys know that roots come out and they don't fall over because they have, because they have roots, right? If you pull up a plant and the roots are all rotted out, 
if you've ever, I've, I've gone to pull up weeds that look perfectly, you know, they were healthy, they were reproducing, but some grub or something had gotten the bottom of it. And you pulled it out and you're like, Ooh, 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 the roots were unhealthy. There's something was, was bad in there. And it provides a foundation. You see things that fall over trees that crash to the ground. The root systems have been compromised. Second thing that roots do is roots uh, provide the majority of the nutrients for the plant. The majority of the nutrients for the plant. Now, the leaves and the whole cool stuff that leaves do, they turn, uh, what is it, carbon dioxide into oxygen and make energy and do all this fun. I'm getting like seventh grade biology mixed up here. But they, they, thank you. I got a seventh grader here telling me I'm doing it right. So uh, <laughs> it comes in, it, it uses all this wonderful stuff in our air and creates energy that way. But the nutrients come from the roots diving deep into the ground, all the minerals that it needs to grow. These huge, massive, beautiful trees, it comes from stuff that you never, ever even see diving deep into the ground. And the third thing it does is, this is interesting to me, in times of drought, in times of the winter, in the hard times, the energy store is stored in its roots. So think about that. Where, where a tree makes it in, a, in Chicago when it's negative 20, how a tree survives is it pulls from the energy that has been stored in its roots. And for you and for me this morning, as we dive our roots deep in being rooted in Christ, how we survive the winter of our souls is by having our roots dive deep into the love of Christ. We have the tendency to dive our roots into other aspects. We have the tendency to dive our roots into different kinds of attitudes. And there's always a temptation there um, to do that. If we're honest with ourselves about what we're actually, what we're actually rooted in. And you can tell what you're rooted in by the fruit of the tree. Right? A a tree may look totally fine. You may look like you have it all together, but if the apples that come off this tree are all shriveled and like they're bitter and they don't taste good and they never come to, you know, they never come to fruition, you're like, something's wrong with what? The, is it getting sunlight? Yes, but something's wrong with the root system. It's not rooted in the right stuff. But if you see this wonderful fruit all of a sudden coming off these, um, coming off these trees, then you're like, there's, there's health going on here. It's rooted in the right things. I, there is a, um, I can't remember what the plant out here is. I want to say hosta. It's probably wrong. Patty Mock will correct me after service. Um, but we planted a bunch of flowers out here. Okay. Uh, so, but the neat thing about it is if you change the acidity of the, what is it? Hydrate you. Thank you. Just Christina Clark's like, I don't read lips. Okay, so, uh, so hydrangeas, if you change the acidity of the soil, you actually change the way in which the flower looks. You can make, like, white flowers turn pink and all kinds of fun stuff. But, so I've been doing experiments. I throw coffee out the, the, that door all the time. I'm seeing what kind of weird – I'm going for, like, a, an aquamarine, but that's, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so you keep <laughs> – I do. Uh, so, <laughs> probably the truth of the, that statement probably makes it funnier. Uh, but you can change the way in which the flowers look by what, how you change the pH balance of the soil, what you're rooted in. So we want to spend some time talking about what we're rooted in. And that might be painful for you. It's kind of painful for me to examine this, honestly. 
Um, I know for me, I need like a, a transplant sometimes. Like I am, I have been rooted in cynicism and negativity and anxiety and depression. I've been rooted in that stuff. Can I get a different pot? Like, can I get, can I get it pulled out? Just a new, new, new pot over here, do whatever. Um, but then my roots continue for some reason to keep on going back to the nasty stuff. We root ourselves in hate. We root ourselves in fear. We root ourselves in frustrations. We root ourselves in control issues. We root ourselves in anger. We root ourselves in cynicism. We do these things as protective techniques. Maybe we've been taught that. Maybe that's where we were planted. This is the rocky soil in which we've been planted. Like, I come from a long line of cynics. I come from a long line of this. Like, that's, you just get that. You know, that's the soil that you've received. Except through the hope and the hope of Jesus Christ, we can root ourselves into something else. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But rooting ourselves in hate might look attractive. Hate looks strong, but it doesn't nourish you. You can't survive on hate. Hate looks like it's strong. Like there's strong feelings when we hate someone or something, but it's empty. It doesn't nourish us, and our fruit is affected by it. Fear looks safe. Some of us were rooted in fear. We make decisions because we don't want to be hurt. We are fearful. Fear looks safe. If I keep on building up walls, I won't get hurt. My, whatever. Fear looks safe, but it drains you. Living a life based when you're making choices out of fear is so draining. You're playing that what-if game. All the time. Cynicism looks protective, but it isolates. If you always expect the worst out of everybody, right? You can't, I've I've said those words. If I expect the worst out of them, they can't hurt me. It's an effective dating technique as a teenager because girls are mean. Uh, But uh, cynicism looks protective, but it isolates. Right? You think if you always like, expect the worst out of somebody, oh, they're going to hurt me, so I'm just going to build up a wall there. And you find yourself, you've built up these walls, you've built up these walls, and you're, yeah, you're not getting hurt by anybody, but you have no relationship with anybody. These are the kinds of things that we are attracted to put our roots into. But the alternative is putting our roots into the love of Christ. The fruit of our lives is directly tied to what we are rooted in. If you're wondering why I'm not having peace and patience and kindness and self-control in my life, why am I lacking wisdom? Why do I not have any discernment on these things? What are you rooted in? Are you rooted in the love of Christ? Where is your identity coming from? Where you, what is your source material? What is the soil giving you? What is the nutrients that you're pulling from the soil that you've planted yourself? If you've planted yourself in Christ, you have a different kind of identity than you do if you've planted yourself somewhere else. Ephesians 1, 4 through 7, the New Living Translation. If you're reading the NIV, this will be a little different for you, but I really, the word choices here just speak so, so deeply to me. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us 
in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. That was the game plan. And it gave him great pleasure. So according to this, the whole plan of redemption story, (laughs) the forgiveness, the redemption, the restoration of mankind, was it a chore? Was it out of, oh, those guys are screw-ups again. It gave him great pleasure. Sorry, for six. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. Go back to verse four real quick for me. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy in this next part without fault in his eyes. That's the kind of love soil I have to be planted in. Because my soil wants to keep bringing up the past. Right? I find those rocks, those bricks, those hidden boulders of my past and my shame and my guilt and my stuff. But if I'm planted in Christ Jesus, if I'm rooted in him, what does it say? You are holy and without fault. In his eyes. That is so powerful to me. That I can be in a place. I know my past. I know the stuff. But how God sees me. As he adopts me. That he foreknew. That he chose me. He said you know what Paul. Even through your craziness. I choose you to be my son. Pam I choose you to be my son. Aaron, I choose you to be my son. Jill, I choose you to be my daughter. I adopt you fully. And in Roman idea, in the Roman history of this, the adoption is you are full. You get all the rights and privileges. It's not like you are the stepchild. Pardon me if you're any stepchildren in here. But you're not the, you know, the Cinderella type stuff, okay? That's what I was going for. Not sorry. Um, <laughs> ew, uh, <laughs> That's the real reason the AC is so cranked on here this morning. Uh, so, but it's not halfway. It's not partial. It's not kind of. It's fully adopted. All the rights and privileges. And he did that even before he made the world. Come on. So when we come and go, oh, I've got this stuff, I've got, we're dragging along our shame and we're dragging along our stuff and we're dragging along the stuff that happened to us, the traumas that happened to us, whether we did them or they were done to us, when we continue to hold those and carry those and dig our roots into that stuff that gives us no nourishment, that gives us no nutrients, that gives us no benefit, we just keep on trying to pull good stuff out of rotten things, we're, we are choosing... And we are forgetting that Christ who loved us from the beginning, who's, if we step in and say, God, forgive me, he finds us without fault in his eyes. That stuff doesn't matter. It's gone. Some of us this morning, we need to rework the soil that we've been planted in. 
And so I want to, I want to try to tackle how we deal with nasty soil the rest of this morning. That's what I want to try to do. This is a big topic. This is tough stuff. This is hard, but I've got stuff in my past. Do you ever, you ever have a, a moment? Maybe you have a song. You have a, uh, even a, a commercial, you have a smell, like you, you get a whiff of that and you are instantly transported back to being 16 years old, doing something really, really stupid. I never get a smell or a, a commercial or a song. I'm like, oh, that was a great time in my life. I don't. I don't know if that's the, the cynicism that I'm trying to get over or whatever, but I'm never like, oh, that was a great time. I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. I see a picture. I was like, oh, I was doing something stupid then. Yep. Oh, there's another stupid thing I was doing. Fantastic. Do I have any moments where I was like, wow, I was smart? Nope, I don't. Uh, <laughs> right? And in those moments, we just have to, we have to figure out what, what are we planted in? How do we redeem those moments? How do we restore those moments? Because those things happened. But here's the thing about God. God constantly takes the idea of death and brings life out of it. It's what he does. Things die. And God says, oh, my playground, my Play-Doh, my clay. I get to build something beautiful out of that. That's what he does over and over and over again. And so your deepest shame moments, your deepest pain moments, your deepest hurts are actually God's biggest moments of, ooh, we get to play with this. Let's see what we get to make out of this. And when we have the attitude shift, when we give our lives to Christ and really give it all to God, that means we actually give him our past, our present, and our future, but we give him all the stuff that brings us shame, that brings us hurt, that we go, oh, I don't want you to see that, God. God's like, no, give me that because we're going to make something beautiful out of it. That's what happens. Okay, so that's what we're going to try to do here. It's a big deal. And I'm going to be honest with you, one message on one day in September is probably not big enough for us to totally get that into our hearts. I understand that. But this is a shift in mindset and maybe a question that you start asking yourself, am I digging my roots into shame or am I digging my roots into the love of God? And we kind of attitude shift that. And sometimes I look at God and go, I'm digging my roots into shame. Deal with it. Right? Can we be honest enough to do that? I'm dealing, I'm, yes, I'm choosing wrong right now and I'm mad about it. And I can be 36 years old and still act like a three-year-old. <laughs> okay? And you can too. But how do we choose that? Because you know what? When I do choose those things and I stomp my feet, I got a little 19-month-old girl going on 20, right? And she, she's already, mm she's just discovered the word no. So pray for me. Um, right. And you, you, we get that, but then I see that, see that little girl and I go, Ooh, that's her mother. <laughs> right. right. That's your immediate response. No, no, that's, that's me. You got it. Cause I planted you. You're in my planted in my soil. Unfortunately, baby girl, that temper. So how do we reclaim some of that stuff? How do we reformat some of that soil issue? Okay. Ephesians 4, 14 through 16. This is, this is good stuff. This is the why 
why it's so important that we're rooted in Jesus Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So what happens when we are rooted in Christ, when we dig our roots deep into the love and the identity of who we are, that we are chosen, that we are, are blameless, that God has created us anew, that he has forgotten our past and he wants to redeem it and reclaim it and, and tell a different story with us. Who are we? We no longer are blown back and forth by the crashing of waves. We're not like babies just running back and forth and not knowing what they're doing. Instead, we are rooted and planted firmly in the love of Christ Jesus. When we accept the forgiveness of Christ Jesus, when we humble ourselves enough and say, God, I can't do this anymore. I've got issues. I've got stuff. I need to be forgiven of my past. I've screwed up here, 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 and this thing and that thing, and I'm still struggling with this. I need you to forgive me of that. God, will you be the Lord of my life? When we humble ourselves and submit ourselves in that way, God does this amazing miracle. He forgives us of that. But the miracle doesn't stop there. He also, he forgives us of our past, but he provides a way through his amazing love to turn what was an anchor into a sail. That he will redeem and reclaim all the junk in our past, not just so that it's gone, that we can shovel it underneath a rug or that we can do like the five minute cleanup and throw everything under the closet and the, and that's, that's not what it is. He finds usefulness out of the junk because what does God do? He brings life out of death. When your past doesn't define you, it becomes a tool, not an anchor. Instead of being blown this way or that in the highs and lows of a good church service or conference or book, you're rooted in who you are in Christ, and that's where the growth comes from. Understanding of that is critical to moving past your past and the hurt and the pain to truly overcome the drama and the trauma that destroys your future. Redemption is a fun word. Redemption means leveraging the past to take full advantage of forgiveness. Redemption means leveraging the past to take full advantage of forgiveness. If we're not stepping into what redemption is for us, we're only getting half of Jesus. We're only getting half of the amazing miracle of the cross. We're only taking a little bit It's like taking communion, but it's only the grape juice. (laughs) Like we're only getting part of what God is wanting to do in our lives. Redemption means leveraging the past to take full advantage of forgiveness. Ephesians 2, verse 4 and 5. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead, remember God makes, takes dead things and makes them alive again. Dead in his transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. 
We take advantage of the forgiveness of God, but not the redemption. We are accepting God forgiving our past, but not redeeming it. We, we say, okay, well, here's my past. Okay, we're done with that part, right? We can move on from now. And God says, you know, we could do it that way. But Missy, you have people in your life that you could talk to, could speak uniquely into the life because of your past stuff. And that's going to be painful. But it's also going to be beautiful. But our aversion to pain keeps like, no, no, no. I'm not going to let anybody in. I'm not going to let anybody touch that stuff. I'm not going to let anybody talk to me in those ways. I'm not going to let anybody. No, 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 no. Except to redeem that story, to leverage it, to find beauty, to find life out of the junk. We have to be open to that. And when God redeems our past story, redeems our past shames, and turns it into something beautiful, the fullness of what this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christianity thing, starts to reveal itself. And we can only be strong enough to do the redemption thing by being rooted in Christ Jesus. Now, this is not an easy ask. This is not like, oh, yeah, yeah, just redeem all your past. Air all your junk out. Bring it to God. Real easy. You know, one, two, three, it's done in a day. That's not the way this works. Forgiveness is, forgiveness, whoa, God, this is awesome. You forgave me of my sins. Redemption, wee. repentance, that's hard. Turning away from this stuff, heading the other direction. There's things I've been repenting of for 20 years. I don't want to do that anymore, God. And I repent in a circle. <laughs> Right? I'm the only one. I'm the only one that struggles with the same things, right, over the 20 years? We, we do that, but this, this, this idea of leveraging our past, it's a beautiful idea. It brings so much more clarity to, God, why would you allow that to happen to me? Why did I go through that? Why do these things keep on playing in my head? God's saying, you know what? Your greatest personal pain point, I can take that and make something beautiful out of it because I'm an infinitely creative God. And I bring life out of death. When we step into redemption and start working through these things, start giving these ideas to God and say, all right, God, I know I've shoveled under this this trauma for too long and I've had an aversion to pain, but I need to step into it and deal with it. I want to walk with you through it. I want to delve my roots into your love to know because delving, delving into your past pain, it doesn't work so well if you haven't rooted yourself in Christ. Okay. Because you're, you're asking yourself, let's go with the metaphor. You're asking yourself to get blown around and tossed around in, in a, in a storm. Okay. If you haven't delved your roots deep enough into the love of Christ, that windstorm, woo, some branches might break off. Okay. Am I taking the, you guys understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes we've tried that. God, redeem me of this. I wouldn't want to do it. And we get all excited about God. And like two days later, we talk to a person. And we're like, oh, you're dealing with the same thing I am. And now, oh, wait a minute. Now I'm, I'm, I'm back to that same behavior that I was. I thought I got forgiven of this. You did. You hadn't rooted yourself in the love of Christ enough yet to be able to do those things. This redemption is hard. It's painful. But here's the beauty of it. The shame of the past becomes fertilizer for future growth through the power of Christ. 
The shame of the past becomes fertilizer for the future growth through the power of Christ. So where we are planted, we're planted in cynical soil. We're planted in hurt soil. We're planted in a angry soil. We're planted in whatever that looks like. And we've been, our roots have been going down in the power of, uh, in, in the love of Christ. And we hit those bricks that we've been hitting for a long, long, long time. But now, instead of going, you know what, I'm just going to stay away from it, we've redeemed that soil to actually provide the nutrients, to actually provide the depth that we have been wanting and needing. Because when we redeem our story, there is power in it. There is fruit to be had in it. There's lives that need to be changed and can be changed because of it. Does this make sense? And it starts to answer the question of, why would that happen to me, God? Now, you can't like, oh, man, my marriage fell apart yesterday, and you know what? I'm going to help married people today. That's not how that works. You've got to deal with that. You've got to plant your roots deep. You've got to deal with the love of Christ and, and have it wash over you and heal you in some ways. But there is that moment. How am I going to redeem this? How am I going to tell this story? How is God working in my life so that I can be, that there can be fruit based out of this? When we start framing that, the shame of our past becomes fertilizer for the future growth through the power of Christ. It explodes the growth. And instead of shriveled up little apples, we're having bountiful harvests. Without Christ, shame is toxic and suffocates. Without Christ, shame becomes toxic and suffocates. Remember what forgiveness is. I've done all this stuff. I've done this junk. The blood of Christ washes it clean. And the trick of Satan is to try to keep on pointing back to that and see how bad you are. God really doesn't love you. God doesn't really care about you. You, 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 you know, everyone else can have forgiveness in the world, but you can't. And you've been lied to about that, right? I've been lied to about that. Your stuff is too nasty. Wow, you were screwed up, right? No, 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 that's not the way this works. God forgives it all. But when we continue to return to that shame, it suffocates us and it's toxic to us and it's toxic to our families and it's toxic to the people around us. But when we step into the redemption of Christ, it becomes fertilizer for future growth through the power of Christ. The shame of how we act at our sin, the shame of what we said when we were hurt haunts you and me until we understand that Jesus forgives it all and has the capacity to redeem it all. That is a hope and a future that I want to live I want to live a redeemed type life. Not one that operates totally out of past hurts and pain and shame and stuff, but operates out of the forgiveness of Christ. We get to dive our roots deep into the love of Christ, wrap them around his love so that when the storms of life come against us, we will have a firm foundation with to withstand. When the droughts come, we can pull nourishment from it. See, the power of God is that he creates life out of death. And no matter what has happened to you in your past, no matter what you've gone through, no matter how traumatic the experience is from the whole gamut, all of it, God will redeem it and tell a beautiful story out of it. He will bear fruit through it. He will change people's eternities through it. It's the creativity, it's the beauty of this life with Jesus. Pray with me this morning, please. Ben, come on up.
God, I ask you to forgive me of my past. I ask you to do the miracle of redemption of my story. That the old Jared would be gone. That the old stuff I rooted myself into would be gone. But you would forgive me of my past, but also redeem my past. That I would leverage those stories, those issues, that shame, those moments to speak love and life into others. God, I ask you to do this in my marriage. I ask you to do this in my parenting. I ask you to do this in my relationship with loved ones. Jesus, in this moment, would you reclaim me and remake me? Set me on a new path. A path of redemption. I want to be fully yours. And in this moment, I give you all of who I am, who I have been, and who I will be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.